go. Nice. nice. All right, there we are. We're up there. We've, All right, and we'll record this to the cloud. All right, all right, everybody. We got a lot of whiskey to drink and there's not a lot of time to do it. So I need your attention, please, because it is Whiskey Wednesday. Somewhere in the cosmos, we're actually going live on Facebook, but God knows where that is. Anyways, I got a, I got a big crowd tonight. I got a full dais tonight. And we have nine whiskeys to go through. It's, 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 it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Exactly. That's right. Joining me today, of course, is Dan Crowell. He is the national ambassador for Glen Morangi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. And the lovely lady down the end is Lisa Poe. She is the regional ambassador for Ardbeg. All right. So, it's, so tonight we decided that we were going to have well, sort of a uh, versus a drag out, mm -hmm. knock down whiskey event. Yes. All right. So, so um, Lisa automatically wins, but let's, 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 <laughs> let's go through the formality of, of, of just like pretending anyways. Right. Okay. So <laughs> fair enough. So um, we got a full lineup tonight. There's a couple of whiskeys that are not available anymore. There's a couple of whiskeys that just came into the market that you're going to try tonight. So um, pay attention. If you have any questions, um, too bad. <laughs> no, we'll try to answer them. We'll try to answer them the best we can. So um, we're going to start out with, with the Glen Morangi lineup because um, if we started out with the Ardbeg lineup, it'd be tough. Yeah, yeah your, your palate would be Zippo. All right. So, um, so uh, normally, normally we, 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 have, we would have the lady go first and but that's yes, chauvinistic and we don't do that stuff here so we're gonna have the old grumpy guy go yes. first <laughs> yeah, well pretend like this is a revolving door because you know etiquette wise yes the, the, you, know, you go through the revolving door first before the lady who's accompanying you so this is the revolving door and this is sort of the you arrival. This super complicated <laughs> well you know lisa lisa just like <laughs> everyone else does it's yeah perfect. unfortunately all right, so um, everybody's uh, basically has the the whiskeys on their tray. Um, this is the the lineup. We're going to go through it as as we go. But if you look at your tray and the arrow is pointing towards you, you'll see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So everybody have eight whiskeys, and it doesn't count if you've already drunk one of them. <laughs> All right. No I will say there's a couple different whiskeys that we have tonight. I'm put this preface it out. There's a couple. Save a little bit of each of the whiskeys, and I'll tell you why. Because there's, I know, I got to start that way, because you guys are animals and just go right through it. Um, save a little bit of the whiskeys because there are some. We have some that are the exact same finish, but one's mm -hmm. in Ardbeg and one's in in Glenmo. That's exactly right. So it'd be sort of neat to sort of see that you know if you want to go back and sort of taste the difference on those, I think it'd be sort of interesting to do. Okay, at the end of the day, you're going to drink all the whiskeys. Don't worry about it. No one's going to hold back on you. All right, that all the preliminary stuff out of the way. Dan, we're good. Take it away. All right. So whiskey number one, we are going to start with Glamorgy Original. And the reason that I brought that isn't because I think that none of you have had it. I'm pretty sure you all have. But what we wanted to do with the inclusion of both Glamorgy Original and Ardbeg 10 was to establish the distillery characters in their purest forms, in their most fundamental form, because the bulk of what you're going to taste after that are variations on that theme, either 
variations based on time of maturation, maturation medium, or Bill's whim. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, Dr. Bill Lumsden, our master distiller. He has frequent whims, uh, and some of them are reflected in the liquids that you have in front of you right now. So we're going to start with Glamorangie Original to establish a baseline so that the family resemblance that each uh, of the Glamorangies, in my opinion, each of the Glamorangies displays starts here with our fundamental distillery character. So dig in, see what you think. It's bottled at 43 ABV, exclusively matured in a combination of first and second fill X bourbon oak. That ratio, oh, for the record, uh, it will change from batch to batch, but it's fundamentally about 60% first fill. 40% second fill. Uh, and so this is, it's reflective of both uh, American X bourbon oak. Certainly you're going to get those American oak influences, vanilla, toasted coconut, sea salt, caramel, uh, pie spices, all that stuff. But the 40% that's second fill, i.e. three uses, uh, bourbon, us and us, that's going to be a bit more reflective of the character of the new make 10 years after it was new made. So those citrus and floral characteristics that Glamorange is known for, that the tall stills are very good at focusing, are reflected more in the second fill than the first fill. So when you do that 60-40 ratio, you get this lovely balance of American X bourbon oak influence, the, time, uh, the passage of 10 years, and what Glamorange is from the new make perspective. So slauncher Bob, there's whiskey number one. Now, but the, but the thing that makes Glenmorangi Glenmorangi, right? It's, 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 it's a bunch of things, but it really sort of nestles in the still, these tall I think so. stills that, you know, I, I mean, my, my friend, uh, David Blackmore ha hates it when we talk to them about them as like giraffes, right? <laughs> but since he's not here and didn't bother to show up, right? The giraffe stills. <laughs> exactly right. Are really these tall ones. So it, you get some of those lighter vapors. And that's sort of the idea behind those tall stills. Am I correct? To a degree. Uh, what we are building in the fermentation phase, those flavors and influences that are that start their lives as chemical compounds created during fermentation. Right. What a tall still does is to reveal them a bit more completely than they would otherwise be in a short still. They'd be a bit oilier. They'd be a right. bit more sulfury in a short still revealing those fruity and floral notes, the taller the still, or the more reflux in the system, the more available uh, uh, clarification and revealing of those fundamental essences are available, but at the start in fermentation, continue to develop, yes, yes okay. chemically during distillation, but they start in fermentation. Great. Everybody's pretty familiar with this, right? This, this is, by the way, uh, uh, this for me, Glenmo 10 is, is so versatile. I mean, you can have it on, a, you know, a, like we've had a hot summer. You can have it on hot summer. You can, there's enough flavor in it, even though it's a lighter style, there's still flavor there. You can add a, you can add a rock to this. You can do all that stuff, but it's also, I, I do some fun stuff with this. I make uh, like a mojito, Ooh, yum. but I use Glen Mirage instead of rum. Nice. Um, so it does have some versatility as far as mixability goes too. Mm -hmm. I, th I think so. Yeah. yeah so it's, it, but it's, you know, and it's at a price point where you can you you personally can get have some of that fun with that i think right it's it uh, is less sort of cringeworthy to do it's, uh, for the record uh the category for many years put the messaging out there that uh using single malts to make cocktails was was somehow uh, actual sacrilege and you might do some sort of penance or time somewhere for it that's not the it's case here it's right here on earth it's here and you're now. gonna be doing penance earth that's right now you can do whatever the hell you want. 
uh, the heck you want. Did we just? Um, well, let's see. Yeah, um, um, no, Zuckerberg says you're off. All right, good. Uh, so <laughs> and the great gods have spoken. Right. You're in trouble. So you can do whatever you want with the liquid that you own, and whatever makes your face happy is the right thing to do. Now, uh, as you get progressively more developed and robust in terms of the whiskeys that you have purchased, is a cocktail going to put its best foot forward on the palate for you? Or are you going to uh, experience the full bandwidth of the, li the liquid that you paid for? You know, that, that's arguable. But you are, uh, it's an your indelible right to do as you please with the liquids that you have. And I think this does make some really wonderful cocktails without it being something where you are, you're, you're sort of crestfallen at the amount that you spent right. on it and then you're dumping ginger ale or whatever into it. Yeah, but it's, it's it it does have that versatility, you know. And I and I misspoke before because Lisa is also the regional <laughs> ambassador for for Glenmore. For tonight's intensive purposes, though, she is the Ardbeg ambassador. <laughs> she doesn't want to show up, Dan, too bad. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think he knows. We'll there you go. But we'll yeah, we'll get to that charitable. later. We'll get, <laughs> very charitable. We'll get to the lessons he took later. Yeah. So, so, like you know, I don't want to feel free if you think of something that you know about our uh, about the Glenmo that you want to express. Please just talk over him. Okay, <laughs> I will. Not me, but not you, not you. Yes, but definitely me though. <laughs> but no, this is just everybody likes this, this whiskey. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just one of those type of things. You are guaranteed if you bring this anywhere that if people are into single malt, maybe even if they're not. They'll probably like this one. This is a, a this is not only a great beginner whiskey, but it's also a, a great whiskey for almost any occasion type thing. So that is Glenmorangie 10. Yes. Right? Uh, and I couldn't agree more. I think it's a, a really effective recruiter into the category of single malt, regardless of where you're coming from as a beverage alcohol consumer of at least 20 years of age. It's a gateway whiskey. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. I'll get to that later. <laughs> Luke, yes. Um, but that's that's a great one. Now, the next one I think that you're going to get to, I don't think a lot of people may even be familiar with, I think, even though it's been true. out for a little bit. It has been for a while, probably uh, well, a number of months at least, and it represents a style of sherry making that is not on the tip of everybody's tongue. Uh, uh, whiskey two and three in your lineup are based on uh, sherry's, uh, well, sherry influence from sherry types that are less well known to whiskey drinkers. So I wanted to, uh, across this tasting, we're going to be exposed to four different styles of sherry making and their influence on the whiskeys that are matured in the cast that used to hold those sherries, mm -hmm. in addition to um, uh, Sauterne as well. So we're going to be working with a dessert wine, a whole bunch of ex-bourbon oak, four different sherry types, and one dessert wine type. So that is, we conceptualized how this was going to go together. I like having conversations about secondary maturation because wood finishing is, is a fairly common thing. But what was in the cast before doesn't tend to get talked about quite so thoroughly as I plan to, whether you want me to or not. So whiskey number two is uh, Glenmorangie 12 year Palo Cortado finish. Now this is part of the barrel select releases. So the first one of those was Malaga. Uh, the second one was Cognac. This is the third in the series. There will be a fourth and, and who knows what happens after that. I mean, uh, this is sort of Dr. Bill's forte, though. I mean, like, oh, I mean with, with the with the Glenmorangies, he's sort of secondary cast. Yes. And, you know, it, he likes to uh, pull stuff out that we probably there's a reason we never heard of it. 
mm-hmm. and he's like almost an introduction right to some of these to some of these sherries and dessert wines and whatever these finishes are right. he's also not only selling whiskey on this but he's also sort of teaching us a little bit about these other products that are in the world right right and are then really don't get the spotlight very often particularly in the whiskey world Palacotado and and Amontillado, which uh, for the record, Bill's favorite style of sherry making is Amontillado, but he's also a big fan of Manzanita. He's also yes, a big it's the fan cast of Amontillado. Yes, yes, exactly <laughs> right. Oh, yes, indeed. So uh, probably with, a body hidden somewhere. <laughs> with this one and the next one, those two sherry types are very similar to one another. Palacotado and Amontillado, for the record, are two of the dry styles of sherry making. So they're fermented completely dry. They are uh, matured both oxidatively and biologically, uh, not in that order, obviously, but the difference between them is how much time passed before that secondary floor yeast layer inside the cask died. Palacortado dies sooner, so there's more oxidative maturation than would happen with Amontillado. The death of the floor yeast is slower with Amontillado, so there's less, so it's a bit of an inverse relationship. The oxidative portion of the maturation of, Alara- of Amontillado is shorter by comparison than what happens with um, Palacrotado. So if you happen to look at whiskey two and three next to each other, even though the 15 is older than the 12, just in case uh, I just, my math. last time I checked, yeah, math. yeah. <laughs> the 12 is darker. Uh, and Palacrotado is going to be darker than Amontillado. Uh, because of a greater amount of oxidative maturation. Uh, uh, fructose sugars brown in the presence of oxygen. So the more oxygen, the browner they get. So that's going to be a bit darker as a result. Between these, between whiskey two and three, there's also a slight difference in, in alcoholic potency. We went from 43 in whiskey one to 46 in whiskey two, back to 43 in whiskey three, just so that we're on, we're going to go to 46 again, and then 46 and beyond. So in this case... So really we should sort of be like, we should probably be looking at two and three almost together. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, like the, we could sort of sw- switch it up a little bit and you taste either one or I taste w- both. Yeah, side by side, it'd be awesome because there are some there are some subplots that are very important in terms of why they're different. Mm-hmm. But the sherry influence between the two, although on paper isn't radically different on the palate, I think it is. And if you had a chance to try Palos and Amontillados as just isolated sherries, I think you'd find that even though theoretically they're very similar styles of sherry making, both fermented dry, both biologically and, and oxidatively matured, they are d- different enough to, uh, to warrant having two different categories. The Spanish know what they're doing, and it, and it shows up here, I think, pretty effectively in the whiskey as well. Now, yeah, we've got two different – we've got three more years of maturation on the, on the cad ball a different um, a micro set of sourcing for the barley for the Cadball. But yes, I think an AB side-by-side sort of a comparison of whiskey two and three can be quite fun. The, 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 the other part we should say, um, we should also say where the Cadball gets its name. Yes. Oh, yeah. That is sort of an interesting sort of. Right. <laughs> thing. <laughs> Dr. Professor, sir. Um, <laughs> the Cadball estate is. Cadball Estate is uh, a chunk of the coastal North Highlands, about three miles away from the distillery. If anybody stayed at Glamorangie House, our lodging facility, it's very close. As a matter of fact, yeah. uh, it, you walk down the path towards yep. the Firth, and that's the, all. It's uh, all our barley fields is surrounding it. So as you walk down to the Firth from the house, you're seeing the source fields from for the Cadball Estate series. 
There will be some Cadwall Estate barley used in Signet, a little bit here too. Okay. But the more that we explore these micro provenance whiskies like uh, uh, Cadwall Estate 15, the more of that yield from those fields gets funneled and dedicated to these whiskies that put its stamp, that allow that barley to put its stamp on the end product. If you went back 15 years, 16 years, well, it would have been 16 to 17 years at least because this is two different harvests. What you would discover is this isn't a, this isn't a strain of barley. We are and were sowing the same strain of barley as the bulk of the rest of the industry at any given point because as those strains are developed, uh, barley strains lose their disease resistance on about a factor of about seven years. So and the, yield too, right? Uh, they, they can they definitely lose disease resistance. Now, the new strains, the Scottish Barley Research Institute develops loads of micro strains every year. And then the SWA has a look at those and approves some and rejects most. But as the, as the barley strains are developed, what they're looking to do is to keep the yields same or better yeah. with the disease resistance improved. Uh, part of the reason that, that the, uh, and this is, these are EU rules, so you wouldn't, we're still following them, but because the UK and the EU aren't the same thing anymore. EU regulations for barley growers mean that you have to rotate your crops in threes. So you've got, I want to say it's, it's barley, obviously. And then uh, there's a there's cash crop, there's a, a replenishment crop, and then there's sort of a fallow crop. Okay. And then you go back to barley. The idea, and we follow those same rules. We've got about 250 acres of Cadball Estate. Uh, that we can do these, uh, this follow the crop rotation. And the reason that you do that for, uh, with the reason you'd rotate crops for barley, probably true for any grain, but you don't want to continue to sow the same barley borne diseases back into the soil uh, every season because it just gets worse and compounds itself. So you, you know, the combination of, of uh, 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 crop rotation and new strains of barley that are, that are progressively better disease resistors than the last one means that the whole industry is going to rotate at about the same time following the, the current it girl micro strain of barley that the industry transitions toward. Because it, sometimes it's like it was concerto. Yeah. And it was, you know, and you, you and I've noticed it over the years. If I've asked, like, what what barley strain are you using now? Right. Almost right. everybody says the same thing yep. if they're not doing something wacky, you know, or, or experimental. Right. They pretty much say the same thing. And then. You go back and you go, what strain are you using? Everybody says the next grain, they say the same thing. Right. So it is sort of moving along that those same lines. And so if you do, if you do this sort of the um, the spelunking down into the history of what strain this might have been, if you were to kind of come up with optic, that's probably fairly close to being right. Mm -hmm. We're in uh, we're in sassy mode now. So sassy is the current. Uh, strain that's being sown throughout the industry. Oh, I just thought you were talking about the trait. Sassy mode. Um, so, but that's also the barley. Before that would have been laureate. Before that would have been concerto. And going yep. back and back to optic. And then before that, you know, golden promise. The ones that you've heard about that they get hyped on uh, on a somewhat regular basis. But here, it's not like we're doing our own strain. We do mess around with our own yeast. Uh, right. And that's based on what happens in the fields as well. The first example of that being Glamorgy Alta, but this this happened before Alta happened. So this was not fermented with our own yeast. It was all from our own fields. And so in the coastal North Highlands, those lands are known as really, really high quality barley growing fields. And so that that creaminess, that rich biscuity creaminess that I think uh, uh, whiskey number three demonstrates 
wraps itself into and around this subtle Amontillado uh, sherry influence in a way that's interesting and different from the first two batches of Cadball, which were all just ex-bourbon oak. So as we move from batch, uh, batch three to batch four and batch beyond for the Cadball Estate series, the rest of them will be finished, will have a subtle shading of finish to them, hmm. whereas the first two were just ex-bourbon oak. So it's Bill getting bored and deciding to go in a different, in a direction. different direction. And we did like, I, it's so funny because during COVID um, we did, um, we did the, um, the Glamorangi kits. Oh, right. Uh, Dave and myself, oh, right. we did it all on uh, virtual, by the way, I think that's the biggest one uh, that we've ever done. There's 273 or four nice. people on one streaming, all tasting the same thing. So I think that was, pretty dang cool that was that and was the only fun. people that had the cad ball because it had just come out we're doing this thing in basically covid where david and i had had it and we tasted it out and i think we sold out the next day because everybody wanted to try it yep um there was a lot of drinking done during covid um <laughs> but you know but but it was it was really interesting because um that was actually a successful launch here of a new whiskey that we're all about liquid to lips and trying it before you buy it so that was one that we we couldn't we couldn't get out there at the time. We were trying to figure out different ways of doing this. Yep. But um, uh, that was I think I think it was that I think it was Cadball One. I think that was the first the first one. Right. And those two Cadball One and Two were both launched in uh, uh, sort of COVID Phase One and COVID Phase Two. So <laughs> it was difficult. They were two very yeah. difficult launches and uh, liquids that we were very proud of and had some really compelling stories yeah. that we hardly ever had a chance to tell those stories. So for the record. For the for you keeping score at home in terms of what the difference between the batches were so far, batch one was almost entirely matured in X in first fill X bourbon oak. Batch two was entirely finished or entirely matured in first fill X bourbon oak. Now the the bit of batch one that wasn't first fill, little tiny bit of second fill. The batch two was all first fill X bourbon oak. So you've got a more robust expression of American oak combined with this sort of estate grown creamy rich biscuity barley thing it's less citrusy fruity i think all of them are well yeah. particularly the first two batches and it's more about wood and the barley uh less about the finesse of fermentation although it's the same fermentation schedule but the barley is a bit more reflected the 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 it's proven it's, it's almost like more almost like almost more distillate driven I think so. And yeah. that distillate, the difference in that distillate, I think, is born out from uh, that the, the big, monstrously creamy, rich, biscuity character of yeah. barley that we grow ourselves. Now, does that mean that the, the terroir argument is always a legitimate one in whiskey? Probably not. But I think, you know, trust your palate. If that's part of if that's part of a story that a brand has decided that they're they're committed to whoever, you know, uh, uh, Waterford, whoever it is, that's really taking that stuff very, very seriously. Trust your palate. Is it is it does it make a difference to you? Then that that's a worthwhile difference. In this case, did it make a difference on the palate to you that all that barley came from fields that we control and in a very small part of a very small part of Scotland? It's up to you. We don't you know, we just want you to be have an opportunity to evaluate that. Yeah. What do you think of um, of two and three? Who likes uh, who likes uh, two? Paula. Right. Three. Yeah. He likes them both. Right. Different different reasonings behind that, right? Yep. Um, I mean, I get with this Cadbowl, I get that more nuttiness, that sort of like you know that creamy nutty sort of um, expression. I, I'm a, I'm I'm a sucker for Amontillado, anyways. So mm -hmm. 
it to me it comes it's comes straight through across there's no there's no doubt of what it is right yes the tain of yeah of to a degree uh when we did uh tain tarlogan uh dornick all of those that was part of the old travel retail series and you'll find some carryover concepts from the old from the old uh um, travel retail series not necessarily to the new travel retail series that's a, a conceptually a bit different but yes tain and what where we are here are not radically different conceptually yeah well well yeah well picked up there that's awesome the there is the cat <laughs> thank you for yes, bringing it up because yeah. one of the things that we do on a regular basis is uh mysterious things to piss off our customer base <laughs> Uh, and quite what, frequently and quite to effect <laughs> quite effectively <laughs> we're gonna do it we want to do it right, right you know yeah. so we uh, speaking of the old travel retail line there was a whiskey called the cadball in a blue box from glamorangie it had nothing to do with cadball the estate or this series whatsoever it was in fact it uh that was the travel retail of uh, the closest thing to a travel retail equivalent of nectar door so it was finished in french dessert wine cast so nothing to do with this at all but we decided when this came out for basically the first two batches to make them look almost completely identical so you had had a really hard time telling batch one from batch two you're welcome and using that almost identical blue mm. and most of the same name to describe a completely yeah. different concept <laughs> yeah dan do you think it'd be interesting to touch on uh food pairings just a little mm, bit yeah because with ardbeg we talk a lot about um ardbeg and pairing it with oysters for a lot of people, it's I think it's really difficult to wrap their heads around um, scotch and cocktails, and I mm. think food is even more difficult. But with these two particular um, Glamourangis, uh, sherry is a, a really great pairing with uh, oysters, and I think these two, because of their finishes, um, might be really interesting to talk a bit about that. Yeah, uh, uh, both, I think, really effective <laughs> seafood pairings. I also tend to find that the more oxidized a sherry is, the more delicious it is with uh cheese yeah uh, i wanted manchango and I'm, I'm tasting the cat yeah absolutely i would like a, i would like a, a big hunk of manchango yep. cheese the manliest of all the cheeses of course <laughs> which you know that's awesome um dry like fruit. a hard cheese or something yeah, like that dried fruit charcuterie uh uh and good point. and really really good cheese and and uh, the more I, so like Alarasa is another uh, fermented dry style sherry, but because it's so aggressively oxidized, it's quite chewy and reminds the nose and palate of dried fruit, which makes it a really good pairing for things like dried figs, dates, cheese, uh, uh, cured meats, seafood, things like that. Uh, and so these would both be really effective, I think, food paired whiskeys uh, as a result of that. Good. They're both delicious. I can't decide which one I like better. I know. I think it's a really difficult decision. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You'll have to get both. <laughs> Sorry. Fixed. <laughs> <laughs> and done. And done. So, right. yeah, those are the two. Those are the two. Um, uh, let's see. How do we? These are the two whiskeys uh, that are uh, influenced by sherries that have been partially oxidized. And these are basically the two newest Glenmorangis that are out, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I yep. mean, so you may not have, you know, you may or may not have had these before. So we thought that this would be obviously a really good thing right. to go at and have you guys try today. Right. Now, now for something you cannot have. Yeah, I mean, you can have a little <laughs> because bit of it now. <laughs> you can have, yeah, you can have a very little bit right now. Um, first of all, thanks thanks to Megazone um, bringing us a, a bottle of something. Yes, thank you. thank you very much. That's awesome. 
And, and, and you know, this is ab above all people forget that this is um, this is the lock and key society. We do, you know, it's the liquor talking, which is our podcast and our radio show. But this is a, this is a, um, a club um, of a, a made up of a group of people that love whiskey. So um, it's it's really nice to remember that. So occasionally we have things here that are no longer available that you know you may or may not have enjoyed or tried and this, or this may be your first time ever trying this and you will never get to try it again congratulations to you <laughs> you have whiskey that is unobtainium at this point or tough to of tough to get so so explain the next whiskey because i cannot pronounce it it goes to my theory that the scots make up names yes and they change the pronunciation the more they drink mm -hmm. and if you're not speaking scots gaelic and you you see them they get to tell you every single time that you're not pronouncing it right, even though you're pronouncing it the way they started the night. Fair point. And then at the end of the night, it's not pronounced that way anymore. And you're the fool. Right. Yes. <laughs> I can only that. speak from my personal experience, <laughs> but that's, I, I'm Very pretty accurate. sure that's what's going on. <laughs> well, this one in particular, it seems like so you're watching Wheel of Fortune, right? And the only letters you have to pay for are vowels. So the Scots make three different people. They just shove a bunch of consonants in where they don't belong. And then it's a much yeah. easier thing to confuse the general public. Uh, in this case, it is this is a whiskey called uh, Glamorangi Taita. It's a little bit challenging. To I pronounce. rest my case, yes. Your Honor. Uh, it, it, what that means is in Scots Gaelic, that means the chosen. Uh, and so this whiskey came from uh, an effort to create a crowdsourced whiskey. So we traveled around the country. I didn't, I was, this was before I was with the company. So this was 2011, 2012. We traveled around the country with three whiskeys, Glamorangi A, B, and C, uh, creatively marked Glamorangi A, B, and C. Uh, one of them was finished in um, uh, red burgundy cask. One was finished in uh, red Bordeaux cask. And the third one was finished in Manzanilla. Who got, who got to do this? Because we, we did some of this. Yeah, you guys did. We, we actually, Rick's back there. Yeah, we actually were part of this. The A, B, and C. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't take any of our ideas. But it was great <laughs> you know, to be part of it because it, yeah. was, it was a sort of an interesting concept. It was fairly early in the um, building a consensus, both in social media and in the real world at the same time. And we, we, uh, we asked people to send us photos and ideas for names and uh and mood boards and all these things to try to get the public to feel this with us and then we would show it to the world based on all of the the filters that the public had provided in order for them and us to be connected in the moment and so the chosen which was uh, uh glamorgy c uh as we went through that whole process i had chosen a but she was the one that the bulk of the public had chosen, and it is finished in Manzanilla. So, uh, fool picked A. <laughs> as, that was the joke one. No one was supposed to pick A. <laughs> this is the placebo whiskey. This, um, uh, as Ryan had mentioned, there, we do have one uh, Ardbeg, one Glamorgan, one Ardbeg that are finished in the same cask type. That's whiskey four and eight. So, if you're going to hang on to any of e of any, hang on to a little of four and a little of eight. And then you can compare two distinctly different whiskey types finished in the same type of sherry cask. So in this case, we're back to 46 ABV. This was, it wasn't a travel retail. It was available to the general public. There wasn't very much of it. Yeah. So, and the funny thing was we started the project, this crowdsourced whiskey thing. We got a lot of press. 
it took us two years to launch the whiskey after gathering all of that public data. So the the in the not even the enthusiasm for it, people forgot we were doing it by the time it came out. So it was a little bit confusing. But when this came out, you're, you're sensing a general theme. <laughs> we tried we didn't choose stuff. the name either, by the way, just in case anybody was wondering. No, I think that got submitted. I think it got submitted by somebody who'd got clever with the with a Scots Gaelic uh, 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 dictionary, which we do on a regular basis, too. So we can't really blame them. So as you're digging into this, just remember, this is back to 46, it's fully non-chill filter, just like uh, the, What's the sherry? Apollo, uh, Manzanilla. So Manzanilla. if you break down what Manzanilla is, it is a fully, it is a fermented dry style of sherry making. It is fully biologically matured, so i.e. under a layer of floor yeast, but in the town specifically of San Lucar de Barmeda. So uh, Manzanillas have to come from that town. They're all finnos, but they have to come from that town. So that's the idea, a very, very dry, unoxidized sherry type, which in theory, and I don't want to read too much into this because it's been years since I've had this, and thank you. There should be a, an added, tiny added level of brininess, a little bit of a seaside brine that might have gotten kicked Some in. Some saline in there. It's yes. A, yeah, a little saline type. Right. So have a look. Now, at that. now that I said that, you'll all taste it. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to color your opinions of it, but but manzanillas are quite bone dry yeah. and a little bit saline on the palate. What do you guys? What do you? What do you think? Too bad it's no more. <laughs> you know the great thing about whiskey is there's always more whiskey. Always more. Just not there's this. Not more. more of this one. Right. What's that? Yeah, I can start hunting auctions if you right. want. So you may, this may find this. And you can probably find this for fairly, you know, I don't think it, it, this one is not one of those type of things that like jumps up in price either. So you can find it. You're, you're paying probably pretty close to what it was at the time or a little a little bit of premium on it. But you're not, it's not like it didn't go, it didn't go crazy. We're going to get into our big latest. Some of those can go not so because yeah. you just can't get them and people really want them. And there's this cult following and all this other stuff. What's that? The re uh, yeah, C is on the no A. Really weird, Dan. No A. This, sometimes he's saying he's oh, seeing you C at auction. The the weird. actual the things that C, okay. the original one, so but the, but no A. The Isn't A's and B's. That is odd. <laughs> uh, the A's and B's. Uh, in they a, threw those in away. A warehouse somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and they're still sort of in limbo. Uh, they still exist somewhere, but I'm not quite yeah. sure where. I have a little at home, but that's it. Um. So that's that's party at Dan's house. Yes, yeah. Come <laughs> over uh, if you're game for traveling to Nebraska for that reason and that reason only. Um, so this one, I do think it's quite reflective of Lamorgi. Sure, there's a really lovely sort of a citrusy, rich, uh, uh, bit of floral characteristic in there. But I love how the manzanilla uh, renders it. It's almost like a little layered. You yeah. sort of get the the almost like the the ten, like the really cool components of the ten. Mm -hmm in your like initial sip and then like the manzanilla sort of takes over. Right. And to a degree, I don't, and everybody, everybody in whiskey dim is going to have their opinions regarding um, bottle maturation. Uh, this has been in the bottle for 13, 12, 13 years. So there are going to be changes there. The interaction between that tiny head uh, air pocket and the head of the bottle and the rest of the whiskey. This doesn't taste like it did I just, 12 uh, years ago. It has nothing to do with neck pour. 
No, and that I think that's that's Stop. fundamental crap. But, oh my god, please! But, I have to explain this like once, like every month, people. I get a question about that. I go, please stop. No. Well, I drill into the bottom of the bottle and actually use a straw and suck out from the bottom. So I never have that in that <laughs> So The entirety of that, the, the capacity of that bottle, all the liquid in that bottle are, is going to be affected that's right. by, the, by that pocket. It's just going to happen. I just point out if you want to stop neck pour. Done. You and you're done. And we're done. Ring the bell. I know. Well, <laughs> I leave that to Dan. <laughs> Is, um, okay, so is, what he's asking is all the different finishes that we that that Glamourangi's done. Yep. Has there ever come a time where they say, okay, we need to repeat that, and they've come out with the same one? Am I getting that right? Yes. Too? Okay. Um, it's very rare. It's called the core expressions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but in terms of experimental stuff, uh, the the one that the sort of the shining example that I can think of off the top of my head wasn't exactly a repeat of the same concept. It was the same concept 13 years later. So we kept some of Truffle Oak, which came out at 13, mm -hmm. kept it, released it at 26. So that was, and that was a continuously pricey it. bottle. Yeah. But the idea was it wasn't, it wasn't a repetition. It was the same liquid. Uh, so in, in general terms, no, uh, with an asterisk, it's a really tiny asterisk. It doesn't happen very much at all. And when it does, it's usually for some really compelling reason, like it's the same liquid. Uh, uh, so it, the answer is qualified. Yes, but very, very rare. It's all, it, it, you know, and, and Dr. Bill has so many different things going on at any one given time Yeah, that like he's waiting for stuff to be ready. I mean, he's not releasing something that isn't ready. Mm -mm. So there's so many different things going on. And you got to understand, I don't care where you start some of this stuff. I mean, if it's 10 years old, you're 10 years in between. You know what I mean? You're getting to like your 10 years or whatever to do something. Right. There's a big time frame difference in there. So to, even to go back to do something again, you're starting the whole clock over again. Right. I mean, you know, That's so it can it really can be a daunting task. And what do you do with the other stuff in between? You know, it's, exactly. It becomes, right. it becomes. I'd asked Bill on a couple. Well, two different sides of that same coin of question one um one was based around i knew the answer to this one um uh, a tale of cake was an example of a repetition of an idea that the first one was never released the first one got screwed up uh but when it was when it was developing uh the first go around with hungarian world tokai cast and bill with it i've heard it had admitted in public so this is no sort of you know cloak and Inside, yeah um, his first experiments experiments with Hungarian Royal Tokai cast were going so well that he had determined at that point that it was it was on its way to becoming the best whiskey he'd ever created. And then he forgot about it. And the barrel took over and it just it went, went over. Uh, and and Bill being Bill, it stuck in his craw and he had his uh, Schwarzenegger I'll be back moment. Uh, and so tail of cake was damn it i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna do that again but i'm not gonna forget about it and so tail of cake was a repetition of an idea but the first version of it never saw the light of day the other question i had for him was all right if you've got 35 40 experimental whiskeys in development at any given point what's you, how often 
do you do your experiments disappoint you? How many of them never see the light of day? And you know, he's been doing this a really long time. So he said, you know, my batting average is pretty good. Uh, but it that was that's a thing that you grow towards as a as a master still in the industry from the from the age of you know mid thirties to where he is now, having been a master distiller at uh, Glamorangy at least for well a damn long time, uh, over a quarter century. So uh, his he, even in his own his own language, like look, I get where you're going, but my batting average is pretty damn good, uh, and I'm I'm not one to sit in, in and question. But he's been down that road enough times. He's been down the road enough times that when you're starting out, you already have an idea, right? Like you, you sort of like you know, listen, time time would all this other stuff can have mm-hmm. effect but you sort of have an idea you're like you know that if i did this with that that should actually come out pretty dang good yes uh, you know so and you're already mixing flavors in your head and he's been doing this long enough that you know sort of the preliminary stuff is already sort of thought out right now things can go awry anytime don't right. get me wrong and if you like forget about it or something like that and it goes the other way right there's nothing you can do about it but he sort of at this point has a pretty good idea of like certain flavors that are going to pretty well go together with the whiskey he's basing, right? The base of the whiskey. And you'll usually see the experimental batches without age statements. And the reason for that is that if you, a, a long time ago, the, the movie Amadeus about Mozart, uh, one of the things that it reinforces is he's already heard the whole thing in his head before he puts a single note on a piece of paper. So the idea that the number of rotations around the sun has something to do with yeah, if if it's if it's if it fits with Bill's model, then the number is important. But it usually doesn't. It's usually arriving at that flavor he's already tasted, and so that's that's almost never based on a target figure. It's right. always based on realizing, okay, I've already tasted it. Now, how the hell do I make it? Right. Yeah. Do you think people could confuse uh, a star as of having uh, yes. two releases? Uh, and it's not a. It's uh, yeah. Good point. It's not a finish. It was never. It wasn't a private edition. A star was a concept. A star, uh, a star twenty oh nine and our, a star twenty seventeen were two sides of a, of a, of the same concept. The, the highlighting of Glamorange's designer cask program. So uh, twenty oh nine and uh, 2017 are two are bottled at two different potencies fifty uh, fifty seven one and fifty two five uh, sequentially. But the concept was always basically bionic this uh cast strength for the all intents and purposes original entirely matured in cast that we call designer cast which are cast designed to our specs and owned by us before they end up in the american whiskey industry uh so those are slow growth uh what we're looking for there is this is gonna get a little geeky so the idea behind the designer cast program uh those those trees are all coming from the mark twain forest in missouri we're looking for north-facing oak. We're looking for trees that grew up in the shadow of other trees so that they only have a leaf canopy at the top and no branch. And we're very few branches because branches equal knot holes and knot holes equal leaks. And then you're looking for the highest ratio you can get between spring wood and overall wood. So in the in the spring, the tree throws off, uh, in order to get the sap going and get everything happening, the, the, por- the porosity of spring wood is quite wide. As summer wood kicks in, it's why the, each ring is two different colors. What you're looking for is a similar width between the two colors. If it's a successful summer, then the summer wood is quite a wide chunk of that ring, and summer wood is less porous, so the pores pores are much smaller. So what we're looking for, if you maximize spring wood to overall wood as a ratio, that's a more uh, absorptive cask. 
it's what he was what he was trying to do is design the perfect whiskey cask and so designer cask for us is a heavy toast light char north facing old growth missouri oak coopered to our specs at uh brown form and cooperage in kentucky used by the folks at the famous brown form uh, uh whiskey distillery for almost exactly four years to the day then we get they're all barcoded we know what they are we got paid a lease rate on them they come back to us and then they get filled with with new make uh, and so part of that ends up here uh, a little bit in original. It ends up a little bit in uh, Signet, but it made up the entirety of both the releases of A Star in 2009 and 2017. That was also, uh, if I remember correctly, that like because we, we see this now in the bourbon industry, a lot of people using toasted oak. That was one of the, because uh, it wasn't being necessarily used for the bourbon aspect of it. Right. Right. Yep. It was being used for the for the scotch whiskey aspect of it yep. and it was being toasted and then lightly charred yes uh, and i and don't think that was like really prevalent at the time that dr bill did that if memory serves me correctly and no. i've been wrong before you can ask my wife <laughs> but but that's my recollection of that yes so. uh, yeah oh go ahead sorry With the, with the cast in the the four years yeah, it's that's brown foreman it's typically uh uh single barrel jacks uh so the single barrel single jack barrel jack daniels program those it does tend to be designer because it costs about five times as much to create those uh, because it is those are at least 30 month air seasoned uh, usually closer to 36 uh and they are um really pricey trees to fell because it, they've taken a long damn time to grow so the creation of those uh, is is very expensive, so it's get it's, it's gets dedicated to the to the high end stuff. And they'll call that bourbon it. wood, by the way. Just so you know. So it's, that's it, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, a star does get confused as part of either the private edition or gone through the Lincoln County finish. process yet. Again. And no, uh, it is not part of that. And the idea that we'll do in a star again, never say never, but it's it's not super likely. And everybody's gonna argue with me on this one because this why not bring that up because I already brought up Nectar. Um, they would be Jack Daniels, but it would be they would be considered bourbon casks. I know it's Tennessee whiskey, but remember, it's not gone through the Lincoln County process yet to be Tennessee whiskey. And the same, all the same other things hold true for for Jack Daniels up until that point. And the Scotch whiskey industry just refers to that, um, anything like it, that as ex bourbon casks. So we wouldn't, unless when we did Spios. We knew for sure that those were all X rye casks because we were the first right, ones exactly. to entirely right. mature whiskey and X rye exclusively. Uh, so there's that. Um, uh, to thoughts on it? Uh, enjoying it? I think it's. I really like it. Really cool. Best drink all of it. Thank you. So yeah, we already drank all of it. Thank you. Drink. No, I kept a little bit left. I told you. I, I, I meant to, but just yeah, you didn't. You just <laughs> well because um, now it's Lisa's turn. Now it is Lisa's yeah. turn. Yes. So we're going to move into the uh, the Ardbeg portfolio. Uh, starting with um, our big tenure. So this is going to be whiskey number five on your scorecard. Okay. Yeah. So, well, yeah, let's talk about Ardbeg. Um, I think many of the people in here are already very familiar with Ardbeg. So for the purposes of tonight, we're going to start with a 10. And I think for many of the same reasons, we started with Glamourangie original. Um, the Ardbeg 10 is going to give us a basis for what we're going to go through this evening. Uh, the 10 is really Ardbeg in its purest form. It really embodies what Ardbeg is all about. Um, Ardbeg, as some of you may not know, went through a very tumultuous, hi tumultuous history 
in and out of existence for a number of years. Um, then Glamouranji, you know, bought Ardbeg. And when Ardbeg finally started getting uh, sea legs, so to speak, the 10 was the first of the core releases that Ardbeg put out. So the 10 really embodies everything that Ardbeg is about. And I don't know, uh, has anyone here been to Ardbeg before? A few people. Okay, great. So when you, you when you go to Isla, Isla is you know where Ardbeg is located at. That's where we get all of your very smoky, peaty styles of whiskey. Um, Isla is not an easy place to get to. Um, you know, if you try to fly in, you or may, out may not, or out of, <laughs> um, you, you may you may not make it there, or it's a very uh, tumultuous ferry ride. But um, Isla, uh, as an island, is just uh, you know very misty in style, um, beautiful landscape. Um, you know, you get a lot of salinity in the air, things like that. And that's what the Ardbeg 10 uh, really embodies. Um, so Ardbeg 10, we use first, second, and some refill cask. Um, very light in the color as well. If you guys want to go ahead and take a sip of it. Oh, they've uh, probably already drunk Yeah, it. you guys <laughs> already drank the Ardbeg. Boy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's a, a few things to compare Ardbeg 10 with uh, Glamourangi original. Uh, so as I said before, the 10 is, you know, the heartbeat of everything Ardbeg does. Um, whereas Glamouranji has very tall stills, and we were talking about the stills earlier. Um, Ardbeg stills are not as tall as Glamouranji's. Uh, Glamouranji stills are the tallest um, in Scotland. Um, on the Isla, Ardbeg stills are not the, the tallest nor the shortest, but what really uh, distinguishes Ardbeg stills is the fact that we have um, a purifier on the still. And Ardbeg, I believe, is one of uh, nine distilleries in uh, Scotland that has a purifier. Um, that purifier will come into play in some of the other things we're gonna talk about later. But that purifier is really what helps give Ardbeg um, it, its lightness and freeness, despite being such um, a, a peaty style of scotch. Um, one of the other things some of you may or may not know about Ardbeg as well is that we are the, the peatiest scotch in regular production, meaning that Ardbeg across the board, we use um, the, same peat, the same peat specification, um, which is 55 to 65 parts per million. Um, now we get into some of the uh, you know, limited releases, things like that. That might change a little bit, but for the most part, that's where the, the peat level lies. But the 10-year, very light in style, I'm very approachable. We talked about uh, making cocktails earlier. Ardbeg 10 is such an amazing um, scotch to use in cocktails. Um, the cocktail we talk most about is the Ardbeg uh, daiquiri. That is a creation of, uh, you know, I'm guessing Dan as well, and then our national Ardbeg ambassador, Cameron George. Um, so when you think about a daiquiri, think, people think of, you know, frozen drinks. We're talking about the classic daiquiri where we're using you know, simple sh uh, syrup, lime, things of that nature, because that, that smokiness just really plays well. Think of Ernest well Hemingway. With, yeah, yes. But the peatiness really plays well with uh, the citrus. So just kind of think about citrus as being an underlying factor as we taste through these, these art bags this evening. The other thing I always get with this too is, um, especially, um, and I think I almost get it more with the wee beastie, the five-year-old, mm -hmm. uh, which we're not tasting tonight, but um, young peated whiskey get what I like to call sweet peat. There's a sweetness to it. Everybody always thinks smoky, but actually there's a mm -hmm. sweetness that goes along with that peat. And one of the favorite, speaking of cocktails, one of the favorite ones that I like to make, well, first of all, I always like to, if you, if you're boiling steaming lobsters, throw some art bag mm -hmm. in there. Oh, it's really, really cool. Tastes great. The other one I do is I call it Mary, uh, uh, Mary queen, bloody Mary queen of Scots. Mm -hmm. And I use, instead of using vodka for a Bloody Mary, use Ardbeg 10. Yes, Stunning. absolutely. And it's a great, great way to start that using Ardbeg 10. It's just, it's, it, you get that smokiness. And if you use bacon, you also get bacon and stuff. I mean, we're, we're, let's talk about Bloody Mary's is all about the accoutrement. Exactly. And, and, you know, most people like basically build a meal on top of their glass. 
but um you know if you put it like a slice of bacon or something a bacon or something like that in it or whatever but that that peatiness really comes it, it, it clears the tomato and every and the horseradish and everything like that and really makes a really great drink yeah absolutely um and one of the other things that we want to you know think about as we taste through the Ardbegs. so i think one of the things that Ardbeg does really well in comparison to some of the other distilleries um on Isla and every distillery has a certain um, profile they're going after, whether it's, you know, very medicinal in style, like some of our neighbors or a Band-Aid, things like that. Um, we really balance, uh, you know, smokiness or peatiness with, with sweetness very well, but we like to think of smoke as not just, you know, one dimensional. We like to think of a, a, about five different things when we talk about smoke. Um, and the first thing is, you know, savory. So think of, you know, your, your meats, like, you know, bacon we were talking about, sausage, things like that. Um, herbaceousness. So think of, you know, green pepper, um, lapshong tea. I probably didn't pronounce that correctly. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, yes. Um, so, you know, think about, you know, those kind of drying astringent type of um, things on, on your palate. Um, we also like to think about um, wood. So think of, you know, hickory, um, cedar wood, uh, you know, things like that. Um, and one of the other things I'm missing here? A coal, a bit coal, more like of a sort of a sooty. Yeah. Uh, cold. Uh, ever use um uh, uh jute rope to mm. tie uh, trees up in the mm -hmm. winter, yeah, which like is coming up. Rope. Yeah. That, that you use to tie up the trees. Yep. It's got like that oily, like almost like creosote or something right. like that going exactly. on with it. And it's a very distinct smell. If you're walking in the hardware store or whatever, and you go by that, it's like jute rope. You'll you'll smell yep. it and you'll you'll remember it. Right. 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 And then the other uh, thing that, you know, to think about as we're tasting through um, is medicinal. You know, are you getting like those notes, you know, like I know people don't think about chewing Band-Aids, but those are some of the things that come through when we're um, talking about peed and, and drinking um, through different uh, styles of Ardbeg. Chloroseptic. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brings me back to my childhood. Bob Barker just died and we we're just talking about oh, uh, soup soup staying home from school and watching his show like right soup and all the stuff that you would do with home and i would i added chloroseptic to that because that's where my love of pete actually i think right. got its basis and vapor rub so vapor you, rub, you'd, you'd yeah. Have, yep, yeah absolutely what do you guys think 10 right you've all had it before it's still a great whiskey solid. again it's one of those type of things if you want something with pete and you want something good you can reach for the Ardbeg 10 and you know exactly what you're going to yeah. get Right. Yeah, and if you have any comments on ten. Oh, you know what? I uh, Ardbeg ten and Glamorgie eighteen year. For the record, if I've ever uh, sort of exiled to a, a desert island and you feel horrible for me, send me a pallet of each of those whiskeys because <laughs> those are my desert island whiskeys: Glamorgie eighteen and Ardbeg ten. I think that they represent a, an incredibly high degree of execution and a beautifully balanced out of the bottle. Doesn't need any monkeying around. They're just perfect as they are and yes uh those are my desert island whiskeys okay cool uh, no way shipping you off okay <laughs> <laughs> the ones that we won't i want to be on a desert island oh very nice yes. desert <laughs> island would be I fantastic i think lisa's all right with that right desert island instead. <laughs> but, all right but you can be in the desert island mm -hmm. Fair. all right so some of these are new the other whiskeys that we're going to be trying tonight yeah. i have not had yeah and these um, are all like we got a couple brand we got a couple fairly new whiskeys to try tonight yes mm -hmm. uh, so the next uh one we're going to move on to is our Ardbeg anthology and that just uh, as the the palcatado and the amontillado finished this is the newest release from Ardbeg. um so there's i think a few things this came to, out last week by yes the way. so i think there's um a few things to unpack about anthology um 
So the first thing is that Anthology is um, part of a series that Ardbeg is doing, or Anthology is a series itself. So the, the first one in this series is what we're drinking this evening. Um, it's called Harpy's Tale, um, and it's uh, a 13-year. Uh, so a few things about this. First of all, um, a lot of people might, might be wondering, what is a harpy? <laughs> so if you look at the packaging. That's several, but yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so beautiful packaging. So, so some of you may remember um, studying... Sorry, the X's tale is that yeah. kind of ah, so some of you might remember studying um, mythology in school. So um, if you go back to Greek and Roman mythology, um, a harpy was actually a, a half human, half bird type of creature um, that uh, they were kind of these these creatures that did uh, Zeus's uh, bidding. Um, so Zeus would send, send them out in storms and the harpies actually uh, represented storm winds. So that's kind of where the mythology part of it comes from uh, when it comes to Ardbeg. Um, harpies were these uh, rare creatures that were maybe once in a while um, sighted on Ardbeg. And I think the rarity of, of seeing a harpy um, um, on Isla kind of goes back to what we are now drinking this evening, which is um, a rare uh, marrying of both ex-bourbon cask and Sauterne cask. So um, Harpy's Tale is uh, Ardbeg's first release of doing um, a wine finish such as Sauterne. Um, and some people here may not be familiar with Sauterne. I Probably a lot of people here love to drink it, um, as myself. Um, but Sauterne is actually um, a subregion of Bordeaux, um, more specifically uh, Grave. And in Bordeaux and in, in Grave, they uh, uh, grow three different types of grapes there that Sauterne is comprised of. It's um, Semillon, Sauvignon Blanc, and Muscadel. And the interesting thing that happens in that region is that the grapes um, kind of dry up and shrivel up and form what's called um, botrytis, or as more people know it, as noble rot. Um, and it forms this very sweet, amazing dessert wine where you get notes of like creme brulee, things like that. And it's a, it's a fairly rare wine. So that's why it's really um, amazing that we're, uh, we've made a release such as this. Um, so Harpy's Tale, uh, like I said, is, is the first in a series. So every year for the next three years, we're going to do a, a different release. Mm with this series itself. And I guess I was allowed to say it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we know it's That's a series. So you didn't, yeah, give okay, away. Okay, perfect, you didn't perfect. give away the farm. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and I think the really interesting thing about this is the, the play of, of peat against a sweetness. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things to think about. Think about, you know, um, citrus versus, you know, uh, uh, notes of like uh, toffee and creme brulee and things like mm. that. Also does sort of get a little bit of that selenic um, taste mm -hmm. in this, and right in between, right? Yep. yep. Um, which is really sort of cool. It's um, sort of reminds me of uh, a little bit of like a barbecue or something like that. You get yes. that that sweet and that savory, and a little bit of saline in there too. Maybe the harpy flew over the ocean. <laughs> I don't know, but it's good. If what you guys you... think? Do you guys like it? Awesome. Yeah, it's really good. So this is uh, this is new. We only get a certain amount of this. Um, so, um, we do have some tonight and we'll go through that later, but, um, for you tonight, but, uh, this is really good. I, this is a little yeah. bit different than a lot of the ex other expressions Agreed. that have come out. And I think this is spot on. It's really good. John, you did good. You, you got a couple, right? Okay. John, you got a couple who's all set. Yeah. Good. And Dan, you might have, um, some more insight as to how, uh, Dr. Bill, uh, came about, uh, you're using Sauterne for yeah. the first time at Ardbeg. Yeah, so uh, Sauterne has been, uh, for you uh, observers of the Glenmorangie condition, uh, you know that we've been using Sauterne wood for a long time. Well, 
uh, for a long time uh, when we did uh, Lamorgi uh, Ekemcast, and this is going back 15, 17 years or so. Probably one of the most famous turns. Yeah. It's Cash a, Chateau Ekem. Yep. And it, the Ekem finish Glenmo, if you can find that now on the, yeah. on the auction sites, it's quite expensive. Uh, but between that Ekem. and um, Ekem, it's a Sauturn finish. Ekem, uh, Chateau Ekem. No, he might not have that one. Um, All right. That's, I just. Just so you know, I just sent somebody on a major mission right now, just by mentioning that. And one so. of the other very similar releases from Glenmore, she was Pride 1981. Pride, um, yes. Yeah, so which she does have. I know 81 Pride was a field study in what we could do with Sauternes cast because we were coming off of having four uh, wood finished releases at Glamorgie up until 2007, and we had such exotic names for them as Sherry would finish and Port would finish <laughs> and Madeira would finish and Burgundy would finish. So Madeira and Burgundy were going to go away because the cast of the quality cast supply wasn't enough to support a global release anymore. So Bill needed something to come along and become the new uh, uh, wood finish line extension. So 81 Pride initially started out as a field study in can we do Sauterne at scale? And so when that became a pretty uh, resounding yes, there was a, a, a chorus of, of begging to adopt that same concept at some point someday at Ardbeck. And this is finally Bill listening sort of toward sort of so Glenmorangie Bill, Ardbeck Bill listening to Glenmorangie Bill and, and making this happen. Same basic idea with Ardcore. We had been using roasted barley at Glenmorangie since 2009. But Ardcore was the first time we used roasted barley at Ardbeck. So these, it's, it's the two sides of Bill Lumsden sort of thing. And I've heard him describe the, uh, his position as master distiller for both as not just switching hats, but switching heads. Uh, so he's got to think completely differently about how these are constructed because you have to beat the hell out of Ardbeck to get it to take new things on. Where this is a very kid glove style of whiskey making, you got to be very careful with secondary influence. It can almost overtake it. it easily. You be careful about overtaking it. And the other one, sometimes you can't get through the base flavors to to highlight it. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Harpy's Tale is is sort of uh, listening to the the chorus of begging to. I didn't to want to harp on it, but it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. It was I had to throw a dad joke in there somewhere. Beautifully rendered. That was solid. Great timing. Thank as well. you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you tip your wages. The veal, not the veal. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So we've gone down that road. So what's the the next one? Is um, this is off of the uh, committee release of heavy vapors, mm -hmm. but this is the like the general release of heavy vapors, yes. correct? Yes. So I'm, I'm guessing most of the people in here know the difference between um, committee release and general release, but just to kind of go through that very quickly, um, Ardbeg, obviously we make a, a few limited editions um, that come out throughout the year, um, but the committee release, uh, Ardbeg Day, comes out always around Ardbeg Day, which is a uh, facile, and I always pronounce that incorrectly as, as well, right. um, but that's usually the, the first Saturday in June, and it's a big festival, um, uh, at Ardbeg. Um, so when we do the Ardbeg Day committee release, uh, there's two releases that come out. The first one um, is basically the committee release always comes in just a, a naked bottle by itself, white label um, at 51% um, uh, alcohol. So, and when that comes out, committee members find out about it, it comes out the, the distillery. And then following that is the general release 
almost the same liquid, but it, that one is at 46% and always comes in a box. And that's what, uh, you know, the retailers get, things like that. So everyone has a chance to, to try that as well. Um, so for this year, our committee release is uh, Heavy Vapors. Um, so Heavy Vapors has a very fun story behind it. Um, so the, the story itself is uh, Agent 46 at the distillery um, finds that the, the purifier goes missing at Ardbeg. Um, and if you go online and you watch a little cartoon about it, you see Agent 46 kind of chasing after a figure with Shorty, uh, the mascot, um, as they uh, run away from the distillery with the, the purifier. Um, Agent 46 is actually Jackie Thompson, who is a committee chair, um, amazing woman. Uh, but that's you know, the, the fun story behind it. But the real story with Heavy Vapors is that it's the first art bag that we have made um, without the, the purifier. Um, from my knowledge, you might have a, a better um, uh, a point when this happened. I believe Ardbeg didn't put the purifier on the, the, the line arm or on, on the, the still until sometime around the 1950s or, or 60s right. or something like that. So Heavy Vapors is really um, an Ardbeg going back to old school Ardbeg. Um, the, the function of the purifier, it kind of mimics uh, what the height of Glamorangi stills does. Uh, with Glamorangi's tall stills, um, only like the lightest of the vapors get to the very top and all those heavier um, things that we don't want in uh, the distillate falls back down and gets purified over and over again. So with the, the purifier that we've added on to the still at Ardbeg, it does the same thing. That purifier, those heavier things that we don't really want in the distillate um, goes back down into uh, the pot itself. Um, you get more of those lighter notes and that's really part of what makes uh, Ardbeg um, kind of fruit forward and uh, floral in style. And that's what we call um, the PD paradox, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so by taking that purifier off, we get that old school Ardbeg. We get like a lot of um, um, oiliness and viscous on the, the palate, um, but you're still getting a lot of those notes of, you know, uh, citrus and, and limestone. And this is probably for me, one of my, my favorite art bags. And it's also really, uh, you know, medium style. If you guys go ahead and take a taste, it's you, this is something you definitely kind of need to, to chew a little bit on. This one we call think it versus whiskey. There's yes. a lot of depth going on Absolutely. in here. Now, do you remember, do you know when they, uh, when this was distilled? This would have been, let me think, um, about 2014 approximately because i remember this being talked about that they were gonna do something and an experiment with taking that part off right it turned out to be rather challenging uh, yeah no I, they, that was one of the concerns is how do we how do we mm -hmm. turn it on and off right and you uh what we did at glamorangi was to build the lighthouse the experimental distillery inside the distillery uh or stuck to the distillery at glamorangi one of the things that we stuck onto the spirit still in the lighthouse was a purifier and the purifier that you can dial in and out from the Shut damn computer. Off. Right, right. Uh, uh, before the renovation of Ardbeg, before the expansion of Ardbeg, there were just the two stills, a uh, 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 wash still, spirit still, and the purifier was on the line arm of the spirit still. But there was no way to dial it in and out. So the, the coppersmiths had to be called in, cut that whole chunk of line arm out, remove it, replace it with line arm that had no purifier run all of the uh, all the distillate runs that it took to get to the level that we wanted for heavy vapors shut everything back down cut that bit out again and reinstall uh the purifier so in that case it was 
it was something that Bill was obsessed with trying because yeah. he hadn't had the opportunity to do so. But the, uh, as Lisa mentioned, the sort of the archival research that suggested that it was a uh, a distillery manager that had come from the rum industry, the um, the Guiana rum industry, uh, from a distillery there that that incorporated something resembling a purifier, and the 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 suspicion is that that distillery manager decided we need to do that in my new location here on Isla, taking that philosoph uh, philosophical approach uh, from from and supplanting it into single wall so that's that's the the closest assumption we can come to the the historical factual evidence there wasn't really the archival data doesn't give specific uh, the specific date of the installation of it uh but what we did discover uh by removing it and the, you know there's always that thing where it's like does it, we get built in no it's like does the purifier have a significant impact we think it does now we, we know, know it does. does right what do you guys think of this one right very different very different there's there there definitely is a weight there's a gravitas to this whiskey that i don't necessarily always find in our yep. bag and it becomes almost like that yes for our bag day yeah somebody somebody's dropped the ball on our art bag day we used to actually <laughs> yes oh that's what it was some little thing called that So what what John's talking about is we we always did it like an Ardbeg day to coincide with the release of Ardbeg on Face Isle, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we've over the over the last couple of years, especially with not being able to because of COVID, not being able to get liquid on lips, that type that that whole thing, people are always like, "Well, they keep releasing stuff, but I don't know. Is it that much different? Is it this? Is it that?" and the, the that our big day gave us sort of a a, a great way of like here it is mm -hmm. try it oh that's not like what i usually get right. so that that works out very nicely i think i'll you know i think i'll get that one and stuff like that so we need to sort of uh reinstitute the uh the art bag day especially here at julio's right yeah so you're supposed to say you're supposed to say yeah loud loudly loudly yeah back on I think I think we can put Lisa in charge of that. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and uh, and 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 keep going with that that tradition that we've that we've had because we are an embassy account and we've 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 done all some we get some stuff here that says that. But anyways, um, so um, yes, let's continue that. A as to say the heavy vapors, I really like this. I think this yeah, sort of a really different sort of approach. I think it's it's really good. And we need another still that doesn't have the purifier on it so we can do this on a regular basis. Right. right. Does anybody agree with me on that one? Yes. Okay. So. And, and if you happen to still have some of your Art Big 10 and the heavy vapors, those yeah. are two nice ones to just to do a comparison. comparison. We're using, for both of them, we're just using um, X bourbon casks. So you can kind of really see the difference of, of the, the purifier versus not having the purifier and, and tasting those two next to each other. I know some of you probably drank both already, but if you happen to have any left. Well, I know I told them to save on four, okay. on four. Yep. So now you're up to eight. So four and eight. So we, we again, thank you, uh, Megazone. Um, we have uh, smoke trails, 
Yes. For, yes. for number eight, which is now that's yes. the same finish, correct? As four. Yes. Yes. That's, that's absolutely correct. Yes. So Smoke Trails, and Dan is probably a bit more familiar with this one than I am. Smoke Trails mm. is something that um, you also cannot get, as uh, Ryan said. This is something that we released in Travel Retail, I think, um, was it a few months ago or the end of last year? It was in, it was in 2022 okay. um, when that first came out in Travel Retail. Yeah, and I believe you can only get it. Is it only in the UK in Travel Retail? Either. Or it might be in other parts of, of the world. Kind of What's that auction um, now? Because I, I was I traveled recently. Oh, and an he had an auction. Okay, I traveled recently and, and I looked for it and, and I couldn't find it. Yeah. So um, with smoke trails, this is uh, you know a comparison that we're doing uh, with um, the Amontillado finish. Uh, so, or, Manzania. sorry, Manzania finish. Um, so smoke trails is uh, we're using ex bourbon cask and also a portion of this is uh, aged in in Manzania as well. Right. So if you take the name smoke trails, what do you think? Of course, is Ardbeg things are smoking style, but with smoke trails, I get um, a lot of uh, notes of, of ash as well on this. So yeah. Ash, you know, it's so really, it's so, it's so weird that the uh, I did save some little bit of four, and I've been going back and forth. It's the way the two things sort of play with each other. The peat and and the manzanilla play differently and create a different flavor. Con uh, it combine it, they combine to make a different flavor that's not as um, easily identifiable i think as in the glen morangi that we had yep Absolutely. but i think it's i think it's more i almost think it's more interesting mm -hmm. in a way too yeah. uh, even though it's not as identifiable the flavor taste the taste that's there is is really gripping and um intriguing mm -hmm. and again another sort of thinking person's whiskey absolutely is there's a lot of stuff going on with this and with ardbeg when i talk for me when i you know taste notes uh, citrus notes um, those notes lean more towards, you know, lime. But with this, I'm getting um, more notes of, of lemon also. Yeah, and I think Meyer lemon sitting yeah. in the middle of your tongue on yeah, this one. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I like when we use dry sherry because it adds layers that are not incrementally sweet. Uh, so it doesn't become a sweetness snowball rolling downhill, right. uh, which can happen with uh I get pa pal uh, palate fatigue too Absolutely. with like when it's something gets too sweet i think too right it just becomes cloying it like you're going to shave your tongue or something it just starts to build up it's like having a cocktail that's too sweet it just becomes that you can't concentrate or you can't think around that big hurdle that's built from overt sweetness all right well we didn't think you know eight is not enough <laughs> now <laughs> dick van patten now um eight is not enough we we nice. give you one more and that's the ninth whiskey and uh dan you want to tell everybody what that is what we decided we wanted to do is to um remind you uh, and maybe for the first time if you hadn't had any of the ardbeg trayvon releases the 19 year releases before batch five comes out which is going to it's imminent we wanted to remind you of batch four in case you hadn't had access to it, or if you hadn't, just hadn't had it for a little while, the 19-year or Trayvon series is, the idea behind it is to show that um, uh, the stock profile at Ardbeg is now at the point where we can do regular 19s and 25s and things like that, but we're going back to the, the rebirth of Ardbeg in 97, 98 to get 25-year-old whiskeys out. So these are some of the early days 
post uh, takeover by Glamorgy PLC and and the and the re the reconstruction of Ardbeg. So as those stocks, as those chunks of stock evolve, what we wanted to do with 19 versus 25 is to show variances in the evolution in that window of the stock profile, whereas 25, which is just one New York Wine and Spirits competition's best. Yeah, I mean, and we have one, by the way. We have a 25 upstairs. With the 25, we're aiming for a slightly more consistent flavor profile with the 25, but the 19 is as Bill and Jillian's playground to a degree where their viewpoints and the evolution of that stock window are on display with each batch. Now we play around with a little bit of the, uh, of the, uh, the way that it's notated and packaged each of the, the significant players in the creation of these whiskeys has their call out. In this case, uh, the CG stands for Colin Gordon or master uh, or uh, uh, distillery manager at Ardbeg. Um, this one, again, every one of these little symbols you will find as an architectural feature somewhere on the distillery site. So if you've seen a lot of times in, in uh, old buildings, uh, just old distillery buildings, you see these braces that are connected by iron rods on the inside to keep the walls from falling down. So in certain cases, these braces are, are the architectural thematic notes that are happening on the bottle itself. This one was bottled under a full moon and all kinds of nifty stuff like that. But with, and it's notated on the bottle there, uh, and box. Oh, Mercury and Retrograde, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, can't you taste that? Um, so the idea here is to show um, uh, intrinsic change over time based on this batch philosophy. In the case of batch four, there was a heightened use of Oloroso versus the batch before it. Can't quite tell you what's going to happen with batch five just yet because I haven't had it. It's sitting at home waiting for me to drink it because the sample came in after I left. But 46.2 ABV is the target bottling strength for all the for all the Trayvons to date. Uh, and the name refers to the Singing Sands, the beach of you. If, 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 if those of you have been to Isla, if you come in on the ferry into Port Allen and you look into your left as you're, as you're coming into the ferry port, that beach uh, is the Trayvon Beach, the Singing Sands Beach. Uh, when the wind hits it in a particular way, the sand seems to hum a little or sing at you. So this idea of Trayvon is the, is the celebration of the Singing Sands Beach. Uh, on Isla, and each one of these batches is going to reflect a different shading of our uh, 19-year stock portfolio as interpreted by uh, Jillian McDonald and, and Bill Lumsden. So with that, Trayvon Batch 4. And I think one of the interesting things with the, the Batch 19 series, it's also a reminder of, of the, the climate of Isla, because one of the things people may not realize, you know, seeing sands, and we're talking about um, you know, the beach itself, if we, you go to Isla, it's all, you know, white sand beaches. I believe there's, you know, also palm trees there. Um, and Isla actually gets, uh, hit by the Gulf stream. Uh, so a lot of the, some of the notes I get in the, um, the batch 19, I, in each batch, I do get, you know, a lot of like tropical notes, things like that. It plays really nicely, um, you know, with uh, the citrus and some of the, the limestone and things like that, that you get with Ardbeg. You know, in this one, I, I, this, it might be just this, um, particular batch. It to me, it it almost goes back to ten, and mm-hmm. that citrus that citrus note, yep. it really sort of like it. Uh, I'm gonna say sings to me, mm-hmm. um, since we're the singing sands. But it really does like it, it. It almost comes back to that. It's a lot more complex. There's a lot more going on. Don't get me wrong, but there is a backbone of of what I would normally taste that citrus note that I would taste in ten, and that's pretty neat 
thinking that it's 19 years old and still having that that brightness um, that's showing up in a 19 year old whiskey because let's face it sometimes whiskeys gets old and they get a little flabby yeah you know and they don't have those sort of like you know those 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 high points this does one of my favorite things about Ardbeg is that it stays it stays fruity bright youthful exuberant Mm. even into an unlike me into even in old age yes yeah well, I'm not going to argue with you yeah, on that one. Thank you. So, <laughs> all right. So this is the full lineup. We're getting long in the thing. We've been here for like an hour and a half. You guys have been drinking whiskey. <laughs> but um, first of all, I want to I want to thank I want to thank Dan and I want to thank Lisa for coming here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, you really should have been here. Um, for those of you, uh, do you ever want to go back and look at any of this type of stuff? You can go, um, you can go back and, uh, watch it on it's the liquor talking, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check it out there. I'm going to go through a couple different things. Once we go off, um, we, 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 we lose all the people that are, are voyeuristic and just watching us here and, uh, we'll go through that. Thank you, everybody. Have a nice night.